Welcome to today's episode of TopCon Talks Agriculture. I'm your host, Jared Oaks. I'm a product manager for our TopCon agriculture platform, TAP, with TopCon Agriculture. And today, our guest is Darren Hefty with Ag PhD and Hefty Seed Company. Hello, Darren. How are you today? I'm doing great, Jared. You know, I see such such a transition in, you know, because uh, a lot of what I do in, in my role at, at TopCon, Darren, is, you know, voice a customer, which, which is essentially, do you like this? Do you hate this? What do you need? Uh, would you pay for that? You know, that, that type of stuff. And uh, I see such a desire for, um, you know, profitability and planning tools. Um, you know, earlier you, you gave an example where, you know, you needed your, your, your dad and he, he was out doing tillage and you guys were thinking, what's he doing out there? But the whole time he was running numbers in his head, right? He was thinking about, well, if I do this and I do this, probably on the phone, maybe the bag phone at that time, or, or just, you know, writing down people he needed to call or quotations he needed to get. And now all those things are right there at, at our fingertips. You know, we can get a quotation here, a quotation there. We can compare best prices in an area. I mean, our planning tools uh, for farm profitability, you know, per acre now and maybe in the future, even like almost to the plant level, are, are better than they ever have been, right? Yeah, they sure are. And, and you're right. At this point, we've taken managing the farm as a whole to managing the farm as a field by field basis to then managing it by a small grid and now an even smaller grid. Now we're managing on on the one acre level on our farm. But you're right. I think we're heading towards the one plant management, which is just going to be amazing when we get there. I don't even know how we're going to do that just yet, but it's coming and it's exciting for me. And I get it. It can be overwhelming if you're saying, oh, no, I, I missed out on the first step of of this transformation to digital management. And now I'm never going to catch up. No, it's, and that's the thing. And, and that's what you're trying to work on too, Jared, is to make this so easy to use and so intuitive that, that you really get great pieces of information to help you make good decisions. And that's what, that's what makes this fun for me. I, I think about, I probably got 20 more years of making the calls on my ground and then it's going to be up to the next generation. And maybe that'll happen sooner if they're capable and able and ready to go, because I'm not going to hold on too long. I, I want to, I want to empower that next generation to do it too. But in the meantime, I want to have fun. I want to be that dad that's just enjoying this ride and, and seeing how much more the next generation can do. I think it's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, fearless, you know, to, to me is the is the word that that for sure comes to mind when it comes to, you know, younger farmers and as fearless as, as they are, um, you know, when it comes to technology. I mean, if it's a box, just an octopus of cables and connectors or whatever, you know, it seems like they, they just jump right in. The the reality of the situation is you know, the, the seven, like my son is, is 10. Um, you know, the, those, those young men and women that are, that are the next generation of farmers, you know, if we thought that some of us that are in our, you know, our late twenties and thirties and forties are fearless, look at these young kids now, you know, coming up. I mean, they're, they're not just going to be fearless if there isn't something that exists 
they might just make it themselves. I mean, who, who knows how fast, how fast it will evolve. It's, it's really, it's really awesome how far agriculture, precision agriculture, data analytics, et cetera, has, has come, uh, you know, especially in the last 10, 15 years. Um, you know, speaking about the information and, you know, the, the knowledge transfer, one of the great things that, that, you, you and your, your platform, your brother, your family, your staff, you guys are obviously really focused on the messaging around farming and agriculture in general, you know, and getting the information out there for folks who may not be farmers, but could be consumers. They could be landowners because I don't want to get into a, a really touchy subject, but there's definitely, uh, an, an unknown element out there, in some cases, maybe even sort of a stigma about about agriculture. And there's so many folks out there with different podcasts and YouTube channels and then what you guys are doing. Um, I really see like the veil is being pulled back from, you know, what it takes to farm. What are the decisions? What are the practices? Um, and it's really starting to show for the world to see how much every farmer cares about the land that they own and farm and the product and the quality in which they produce. You know, Darren? I, I totally agree. And I, I think that is one of our jobs as farmers. We have to share the message of what we're doing. And we've got great vehicles to be able to do that now, whether it be social media or or just the internet in general putting out information about, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's how I'm caring for these animals. Here's how I'm caring for this land. And whenever I get this question, and I do get this question often, you know, about, well, what are farmers doing? And they can't be doing everything right. They're just interested in making profit. I say, look, I'm farming the same ground that my great-grandfather farmed. And he farmed it over 100 years ago. So this ground has been in the same hands over 100 years. I, I drink this well water right here. I care about this land. I care about what's underneath it. I care about what's on it. I care about the animals that are here that we're raising. It's, it's just important. And, and I think when people understand that, that it, it really is families that are doing almost all of the farming and that if you ask most farmers, well, if you could have one wish, what would it be? They'd say, well, I wish that my kids would come back and take this farm over. And I wish this would stay in our family's hands for the next 10 generations. That, that's what farmers hope. It's not, well, I hope I make a quick buck this year so I can quit farming. Yeah. That's not it at all. Yeah. It's not, it's, that's right. They, I've never heard them say, well, I hope this is the year we get bought out by the neighbor or or whatever. That's never the response. You're absolutely right. It's the it's the desire and the wish to to carry on a, a legacy of of the land. There's there's a real uh, there's a real story there. You know, real emotional component. And I I think it is. I think it's unique to to agriculture. I mean, of course, if uh, you know, if things were different, you know, in your family, let's say your father was, uh, you know, he owned a chain of appliance stores, Darren, there'd definitely be a family element to a business like that. But, you know, that business is getting more and more challenging, you know, today uh, to just be a mom and pop. Same thing with with farming. 
Farming is getting so big, so fast, so large. Uh, of course, the, the tools and the toolbox are increasing. So, you know, smaller or medium-sized farms, I believe, can sustain uh, profitability and, and make some quick decisions, you know, on their farm. Um, do you and, and Brian typically or ever have any discussions about, you know, the, the listeners that you have and, and on average, you know, what size are their farms or the diversity of crops? I mean, your audience spans, well, it spans continents, but it also probably definitely spans from viticulture to, to Canada, grains, row crop, cotton, you know, all, all over the globe, doesn't it? It really does. It's quite humbling when we get emails and calls from people literally around the world with crops that we've never even seen in some cases. I know there have been a couple occasions where I've said, can you send me a picture of your crop? Because I don't know if I've ever actually seen that grown in a field. And so it's, it's kind of neat the the opportunity that we get to talk to people there's there's no question about that yeah and and it's so it's so interesting to me that some of those crop types you know like uh we're we we're working on a well it's it's available now it's a it's a specialty um topcon has a specialty yield harvesting uh yield monitoring system out that's for crops that are harvested you know with conveyors, um, you know, like onions and, and potatoes and, uh, I mean, you know, just, just insert a, a bunch of crops, you know, in the blank. And it's so cool because even those farmers, uh, with those types of crops, they're just now starting to see some of the benefit of this technology because they haven't had it before. I mean, the truth about the, uh, the technology is it's kind of been a corn, soybean, wheat, sorghum kind of row crop thing and there's so many other crops and regions and and you know lots of open station machines and emerging markets it's it's really going to be fun to see where a lot of these things go it's just fun to be a part of it you know? well when we communicate with folks growing different crops i mean there's a lot of specialty crops out there that are, are high dollar and high management and that's honestly a lot of the advances in corn and soybeans and wheat have come from vegetable producers that, wow, they, they're they able to invest a little bit more money in the crop because the chance of a return is so much higher that we when we start doing some of those practices in other crops, we can take our farms forward too. And you, you were talking just a minute ago about the size of farm operations. And I know growing up in the 80s and into the 90s, we heard from a lot of people in the industry, oh, you've got to get bigger or you're just not going to make it. And that kind of got to be the way it was with livestock to some degree, at least it was around our farm, at least it's how we felt it was. And, and certainly on the crop side, we thought it was going to be that way too. But we talked to so many very small producers that have found niche markets that are just doing things a little bit different and they're wildly profitable. So yeah, you can't just say, well, I'm going to raise number two yellow corn and I'm going to haul it to the grain elevator at harvest and, and I'm going to get rich doing this. Your chances uh, of doing that as a small farmer are not great. Even as a big farmer are probably not great. But if you look at, well, hey, there's a local need for watermelons in my area and I can grow them here and I've only got 10 acres, but I could make several thousand dollars an acre. That's awesome. Or maybe it's, I'm going to have a pick your own strawberry patch 
and I'm going to bring people out there because I'm close to a big city and it's going to work. That's a great profit opportunity and you can do that on a small amount of acres. So I don't think you have to be a huge farmer to be successful. You may just have to look at what are the opportunities for a farm of my size. So for small, you know, farms that maybe have some equipment and, and have been, you know, growing sort of traditional crops, you know, and, and taking them to the to the local elevator and dumping them in the pit and hoping that that market would would jump up, you know. What what would you, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, a specific variety of, you know, maybe maybe wheat that was, you know, marketable to, uh, you know, a, a, a specialty bread maker or, or whatever. Are there places and conversations that, you know, folks have been having with you or have you have you seen some success stories where folks started doing things a little bit different and, and fit into that niche market? In grain, in grain, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not in one of those niche markets. We're we're just trying to raise high yielding corn and soybeans for the most part here. But I'll say this: we do have an opportunity on our own farm. We've got a, a dairy that actually my my great grandfather came over on a ship from Norway, and I, I believe the family that farms a mile north of us. They were on that same ship. Their their ancestor, their first ancestor in the area, came on the same ship, and they uh, they sold their dairy out. And another group is expanding the dairy greatly. And all of a sudden, the need for alfalfa, the need for silage corn in our immediate local area is huge. And so we're doing a bunch of nutritional testing and fertility testing to figure out, okay, how do we raise the most tons? with the most nutrition. And just speaking with the nutritionist that works with this dairy, he said, wow, how are you guys getting so many micronutrients into the crop? That's really going to save us on our rations and, and what we've got to mix in there. And I think it's just fun to, to work hand in hand with the end user to see what can we do together to make it better. And maybe, you know, I look at local restaurants, would they love to source local beef, local produce, of course they would. That would be awesome. They could save some money that way. They'd have a great story to sell. And and also you look at the pandemic and, and things that have happened in 2020, there are so many people that have gone to local meat lockers saying, hey, can you hook me up with a local producer here? Because I want to have a freezer full of meat. I don't want to take a chance. The grocery store might not have anything tomorrow. And right. Nothing, nothing on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. There's a great opportunity right now for those kinds of, of things. If you're just willing to, to take a step out and, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. You could just have one animal that you find two people to split, you know, one, one animal. And maybe they're just people at your local church or, or their parents of kids, you know, uh, uh, someone on your kid's baseball team or something. There's tons of opportunities if you look. Well, that's great. That's great perspective, Darren. And I think that's great, you know, advice for any of our listeners and, you know, even myself and all of us, you know, keep, keep the, uh, keep the blinders off because opportunity really is at, at every turn. Right. So that's, that's great perspective. And, you know, the passion that you show and, 
your whole team shows in agriculture. I, I really appreciate it. It's been an honor to have you on the podcast today. And, you know, thanks so much. Darren, are there any closing comments, any closing topics, anything going on that you want our listeners to know about from the Hefty Brothers, from the Hefty Farm, the Hefty family? The biggest thing that I would say is if you want to be successful at anything that you're doing, you have to commit to being a lifelong learner. And my dad talked to Brian and me as we went off to college about this, that that we're going to college to learn how to learn. And when we come back home or wherever we were going to end up, that's when we're really going to start learning a lot. So you had to be prepared for that and just have this idea in your mind that you're always going to have to keep learning if you want to get better. And and I would say that to everybody. If If you're in a time on your farm where you maybe haven't been growing really fast. You've been just doing things the same way for a while. Start learning. It does make it a lot more fun. Yeah, it's a little bit more work, but it's also going to make it a lot more fun. So become a lifelong learner. Lifelong learning, taking some calculated risks, letting some some younger folks make some decisions. Been an awesome conversation. Thank you, Darren. And a huge thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. We want to wish everyone a happy new year from all the folks here at TopCon and TopCon Talks Agriculture. Be sure to catch our first episode of season three premieres January 21st.